0: You're listening to episode 51
1: Lovey Dovey.
2: Of the In Between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong connected and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel M
1: and I'm Christina M.
2: All right, Lovey Dovey, Valentine's Day is coming up.
1: That's right. So <laughs> we wanted to do an episode about gift giving. Oh, but yes. in a unique way. So I think it's really easy to talk about like, oh, here's five things to give your spouse that will make them be full of joy. But we wanted to couple this gift giving with the Enneagram.
2: Yeah. So if you have no idea what we're talking about, just listen in. Uh, even if you're kind of skeptical about, oh, I've heard things about the Enneagram. And I don't know, Yeah. So just listen in. Honestly, listen in because this episode is literally going to blow your mind.
1: <laughs> yeah. We were yeah. like, you'll hear us. We were like,
2: what? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Now, the Enneagram, just really quickly, Drew's going to uh, give us an intro into it. He's going to give us an idea as to what all the different types of the personality types are for the Enneagram. And initially, honestly, I was very skeptical with the Enneagram, being a strengths finder coach, mm-hmm. and Christina, you being a social worker, I mean, you've studied this, uh, I mean, not the Enneagram, but other...
1: So many, like, different personality tests, yeah. and it just seemed like it was a little bit of hogwash, and so, like you are saying, very, very skeptical about not, to the point where not even wanting to look into it, but as we dug deeper into it, yeah, we realized, oh, This has actually really helped us understand each other and understand ourselves more.
2: Completely. And really get to the core of some of your motivations. So that's why in this episode, you're going to get a, you know, kind of lay of the land of Mm -hmm. what Enneagram is. But the genius is the way that Drew talks about what gifts to give each of the Enneagram types. Gifts that's going to indulge them that they're going to really love, and also ones that might challenge them and and stretch them a little bit.
1: Yes, and so he says as well, like you know your spouse the best, so give your gifts in a way that you know that they will receive and feel loved and appreciated. And as a little bit of a note, this episode will be a little bit longer than we usually do, but make sure to continue to tune in. It's good,
2: yeah. Now, you might have recognized the name Drew Mosher. We had him on the podcast on episode 20 when we interviewed him on how to raise an adult. Drew is a writer, a speaker, and a consultant on millennials and vocation. He is a college professor and dean at Taylor University and the author of Ready or Not Leaning into Life in Our 20s. Now, if you haven't yet checked out our show notes, this is an episode where you're going to want to go to the show notes because we're going to be, there's going to be a lot of resources listed out, a lot of, uh, you know, and especially if you're working out or driving and all the gift types, all that's going to be listed out and and there for you. So be sure to go to inbetween.org slash episode 51 and you'll be able to take advantage of all that and share some images and get some inspiration for Valentine's.
1: All right, lovey dubbies. let's get into it. Well, thank you, Drew, so much for joining us on the podcast about Enneagram. Um, and I know some people, well, they hear the word, and I feel like they fall into two camps. One is they're rolling their eyes because all their friends are asking them, what's your number and what's your wing? And yes. they're like, I don't know. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> or you have the other camp where um, you have people who are just so into it, and they want to know your number, they want to know your wing, and then you're doing something like <laughs> That's such a five thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> and then and others uh, who are
2: like, any what? Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> it sounds like so many different words. So we are so thankful for you, Drew, to come and just to be able to maybe dis- demystify a little bit of what the Enneagram is. But also in the second part of our interview, we want to ask you different gifts that we can give to our spouses on the different Enneagram types. So in case you're wondering what to get your spouse for Valentine's Day tune in.
2: So Drew, we're glad to have you back. Yeah, thanks. Good to be back. Now, when we interviewed you last, we didn't realize how much of a Enneagram expert you were and how long you've been studying this and uh, the depth at which you're studying. So uh, how about you just give us a good overview as to what the Enneagram is?
3: That's a good question, even though it sounds simple initially, because you do have these people who can't stop talking about the Enneagram, and these people who don't know anything about it, and then this other camp that are are sick of hearing other people talk about it all the time. Mm. So, uh, the Enneagram, it really is an ancient framework of nine things. That's the very basic description of what it is. And so, you see traces of this thing and points in antiquity uh, but the reason it's so popular right now is that it has this modern usage, which is a personality typing system consisting of nine different types of people. I'm sure you'll probably have show notes, or you can very easily kind of Google search the Enneagram, and you'll see a symbol which has most often a circle, and then nine points on that circle. Each one of those points represents a different personality type. So, you know probably familiar with many different types of personality kind of typing systems, whether it's the strengths finder or the Myers Briggs or something like that. And so this would be another tool that has some similarities to those, but also some really important differences. And so this particular Enneagram tool is nine different types of people, each with different motivations and characteristics that better understand help us understand who we are.
1: Oh, okay. So That's it sounds good. like it's like a deeper level, almost like what is what the motivations are of somebody.
3: Yeah, a lot of what makes it unique from some of the other personality systems is that it's not so much about behavior, or it's not so much about even how you think or, you know, cognition, although those there's implications for those things, but it's really about your core motivation in life, mm. like what is driving the way in which you behave in the world, what is causing you to think in certain ways, what is that core motivation that drive underneath all of that? That's what the Enneagram is really getting at.
1: Oh, okay. So um, take us through it a little bit. Like people who you're introducing the Enneagram to, are they like, that makes sense? And like, oh, I didn't realize that was my motivation. How can I change that? Or is it really like, wow, that's really helped me understand myself more?
3: Yeah. So I think if, if people... You know, take the time to discover their dominant type. So, which number on the enneagram they identify with? Okay. Uh, then, uh, what often occurs is just a kind of an "aha" moment
2: mm-hmm.
3: where you realize, "Oh, this was why I do the things I do." Oh, you know, or okay. this is why um, I act the way in which I act. Um, because here is the thing: we can uh, often exhibit the same behaviors but do it from different motivation. We can witness people, you know, engaging in the exact same behaviors in their lives, but uh, what we don't often see is what's what's kind of beneath the surface driving them to to act the way that they do. And the Enneagram mm. really helps us understand that drive behind it. So, with that aha moment though, also if we're really honest comes some of these Um, more uh, unfortunate realizations where we realize, okay, this is how I am when I'm at my best, Mm -hmm. my personality, and this is also when I'm at my worst.
1: Oh, the Enneagram talks about that as well then?
3: Yeah, the Enneagram really gives you kind of the best of you and also some of the darker parts of you.
1: Oh, that sounds scary. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to know those parts. (laughs) (laughs) I know.
3: But that's where so much growth and change comes oh, from. Okay. That's why I've been so interested in the Enneagram is because it's not just telling me all the ways in which I'm great, but it also tells me the ways in which I'm not so great and mm. gives me a path to un- better understand how I can improve and uh, maybe be more honest about those areas.
2: So, in in light of that, then for those who are, and, and in our show notes, we'll give a link where people can take a free uh, version of the test just to get their toes dabbled into yeah. Uh, yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> sure, uh, it it's, it doesn't take too long. But um, you know, when you think about the Enneagram, how do you think it can help? Uh, first of all, individuals, uh, but also help marriages.
3: So I think uh, it has so much potential to really help marriages. First and foremost, it helps marriages by helping each of us individually better understand who we are and to better understand how we can be a healthier person. So it's really designed to be this inner work where we are looking at ourselves introspectively, And honestly, as opposed to, I'm going to use this tool to kind of fix my spouse. That's a bad use of it. And that tends to not go well anytime we try to do that. (laughs) I (laughs) wonder why. (laughs) But what it does is not only does it help us better understand ourselves, but it helps us uh, better understand our spouses. So it gives us so much better understanding about why our spouses sometimes do the things that they do. For example, my wife uh, often has to pick up the toys in our living room before she and I can sit down and watch a TV show mm, after the kids that. are in bed. Yep. <laughs> Whereas I'm um, more of the, Hey, we can get to that later. Let's just sit and relax. The kids are in bed. Let's just sit and relax. And so we, I have a much better understanding of uh, why it's important for her to have the room, you know, tidied up. That's really important to her. And and it's not just, you know, something that uh, she uh, does that's automatically compulsive. You know, it, it's something that I have a better understanding as to why, because of the Enneagram. Right. Okay.
0: So because
2: of the Enneagram, then what, what number is your wife?
3: Yeah. So my wife is a one. Um, and then, uh, I'm a three. So, uh, one and the, each type has a nickname and, uh, nicknames are helpful to a certain extent, but they are nicknames, right? So, yeah. um, uh, so ones are often known as reformers or perfectionists.
2: Hmm. Which makes sense in that she wants to... She yeah. wants to clean everything up before
3: right to feel relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then threes are known as achievers.
2: It's so fun because as Christina and I have been looking into this and our, we have a previous episode where we did it all on strengths. And what's what's interesting is, I mean, that's really been the predominant framework for me, even mm-hmm. even to the point that I got certified in it. Uh but what was what's fascinating is in our twelve and a half years of marriage, because of the Strengths Finder, I've really seen us as opposites, even in the Myers Briggs, uh, I mean, Christine is an extrovert and I'm an introvert. So, so much of our marriage up until now, it's been like, oh no, we're we're different, right? You know, there's, opposites there's, attract. Yeah, opposites <laughs> attract so much. And then when we both did the Enneagram, we were like, wait a second, we're both three. Yes. Mind blown. And <laughs> as we as we kept on going into it, we we're like, oh my yeah. goodness, this has shed such a different light onto our marriage mm-hmm. and yeah. into our relationship that no other personality assessment has thus far uh revealed. So that's why we're so excited about because it, it's like I'm getting to know Christina again like we're
3: getting to know each other again. Yeah.
1: That's right. In the <laughs> next 12 years we we'll
3: get to know her more. Uh no, that's great. I you know I, I agree. I think it it is so helpful in that way and it's it's dynamic as well. So it's not something that just kind of okay, this is what you are and you're fixed rigidly for life this way. It, it, it is really a dynamic kind of tool that can be really helpful in relationships.
1: Drew, we had quickly mentioned that we're going to put something in the show notes to be able to take a, a test about the Enneagram. But for those who want to maybe dive a little bit deeper into it, are there any resources that you can suggest where people can discover a little bit more about their number?
3: Uh, that's a great question because there's a lot of different uh offerings out there. And you know, I think what's important to know is that only you can truly discover your type.
1: Oh, you can't take the test for your spouse. Uh
3: no, that okay. doesn't work well. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> typically. Um although of course spouses know you better than anyone. So That's they ought to true. be able to speak some insight into as you're wrestling through this. Interesting. Thing yeah. Trying to figure it out. But only you can discover your type. Okay. And because if you let others type you Often they're responding to behaviors more so than motivations.
1: Motivations, oh, okay. Wow.
3: And so there are, there are tests out there that can be helpful to a certain extent, um, but it's really hard to test for motivations. So just hmm. keep that in mind, okay. that when you are taking a test, you don't automatically receive the results as 100% accurate. And so there are free versions out there that could be you know, just good to get you started mm-hmm. and get you interested. And then if you really want to dig a little deeper, there are paid versions of tests that are more effective and okay. more active, I think. One is from the Enneagram Institute. Their website has a test that you can pay for. Um, So I'd recommend that one. That would be a good starting point. But then once you take the test, whatever test you take, I'd really encourage people to read up on their type or some of the top results for the uh, types for them. Just pick up some books and read. A great kind of primer on the Enneagram that I would highly recommend would be The Road Back to You by Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile. It's a great introductory book. And then uh, another uh, great one is uh, The Sacred Enneagram by Chris Hewart's. I was just going to say that there's a couple things that are really important as you're trying to decide your type. People say that everyone wants to be a seven because they're the enthusiasts and fun. <laughs> um, and so you have to be really honest. Right. And so often if you read a description and, and it's one that kind of stings the most, that could be a clue. Oh. <laughs> that, uh, that one might be your type. <laughs> yeah. um, or if you read through the types and think, ah, oh, they why did they write that one so negative? It seems like you know, this person is biased against this particular type. There's a good chance that they're not biased against it. It's just, it's kind of resonating with you in some (laughs) <laughs> yes, kind of it's shaking your face. foundation yeah. Yeah. just a little yeah. bit. Oh, <laughs> those things can be helpful. Yeah.
2: So, so it's funny because uh, we were we had been talking about it here and there, and and one night we were like, oh, you know, let's just go to bed and 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 talk. So we were talking about the Enneagram, and and then Christina was like, oh, you gotta, you really gotta do it, you really gotta do it. So I kind of started reading it out loud to Christina and then got to three and when it was talking about like your basic fear of being worthless yes (laughs) your basic desire (laughs) of to feel valuable and worthwhile and i just kept on going i was like oh this is horrible yeah in my head i'm
1: like can you stop reading yeah (laughs) (laughs) let's just read seven again
3: (laughs) Yeah. And, and that's another one. If you're reading about a type a type, and it makes you want to throw the book across right. the room, yes. that's, that's a good indicator.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All artists are like, okay, we're not doing this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: so this will be
2: fun, especially with Valentine's Day coming up. Uh, how about you go through each type and just give us a, a quick synopsis of each one. And, and when you're doing uh, when you're doing that, how about you um, just give us an idea as to how we can show love and appreciation through that gift to yes. that type
3: since there's nine of them, I'm going to be talking in generalities here. Uh, so that's important to know because even, you know, I think it's worth, we're having kind of a three convention right now because all three of us <laughs> yeah, are threes, yeah. uh, that we're all very different. Even mm. though we share some of these common traits mm-hmm. of, of being a dominant type three with on the Enneagram, we're still very different. So there's a lot of complexity within these. Um, so what I thought I'd do is I'd give some, yeah, just some intro on each type. And then, in terms of gift, I have a gift for each one that kind of indulges their type, meaning oh, okay. something that they would just really love. Right. But then also, a, I have a suggestion for a growth gift. Oh. <laughs> if if you're
0: See,
2: that's, that's such a three thing to do, true. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> we gave you this and you just took it in the next level. I just got to be me, you
2: know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh,
3: because that's really where the brilliance of the Enneagram lies, is okay. that it, it, it gives us ways in which we can grow. Um, and as opposed to just being kind of stuck in a stereotype mm-hmm. of our number, we, we can actually grow.
1: Oh, I'm so excited to hear. Okay, Drew. Okay,
3: so type one, this is my, my wife, uh, they're known as the reformers. And type one, at their core, they just want goodness in the world. And so when they're faced with a lack of goodness in the world, or when they're faced with brokenness or injustice or things that are wrong, they try to cope with, with developing habits or means of just improving their world. So they're n- really known to be kind of rule following. They can be mo- a little bit more rigid or perfectionistic. They can be a little bit more critical at times, but I think it's important to know that first and foremost, they're most critical of themselves. Oh, okay. So than others. But they also are really great at coming alongside others in trying to improve their world. They're just great at improving things. They're really good at at seeing what how things could be made better. Now, the struggle with that, though, is that they often will enter a room and they can very easily spot flaws and can struggle to not to get beyond those flaws. So for those, for type ones, uh, the gift that indulges their type, I think gift cards are really good for type ones because type ones can be pretty practical, but also things that help them do improvement type uh, endeavors. So, these could be gift cards to Lowe's or Home Depot or membership to fitness clubs. Or- oh,
1: well. <laughs> I, there's other things to do. <laughs> I don't know if you
3: should ever give that to
2: your spouse.
1: <laughs> Only if they asked for it. Yes. <laughs> You've
3: got to know your spouse. Yeah. So, again, exactly. these are generalities, but it could be classes, such as, you know, a class to learn something that they wanted to learn. Yeah, um, exactly. Now, a growth gift for them, I think the thing that would stretch them, but in a really good way would be a trip to an all-inclusive resort. It feels really lavish to them. And that's important for ones because of their maybe tendency to critique themselves or to see what's wrong in the world and want to write it. Mm -hmm. It can feel pretty lavish, but sometimes they need that. And also they don't have to obsess over all the decisions because it's already paid for. It's already, you know, it's already covered. Yeah, that's good. Can I
1: just wish that I was a number one right now? (laughs) So you can lavish that on me, honey.
3: (laughs) These are good gifts for all Yes, exactly. We'll
1: put an asterisk behind that one.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So that's the type one. Okay. Okay.
2: So number one reformer.
3: Yeah. And then type two. These are these people are known as the helpers. And at their core, uh, they really they want love and they want to be loved. But when they see when they live in a world in which there's sometimes love seems absent or it seems maybe not at the level it should, as we all do, they begin to develop habits of helping and serving others, either to kind of bring about that love or earn love. They're very sacrificial by nature. They have this almost a sixth sense, you know, for who needs help. And they're often willing to drop whatever they're doing to help others. But with this comes, sometimes their help comes with some strings attached, perhaps. Um, okay. Sometimes they struggle with their own boundaries. So they struggle mm-hmm. to take care of themselves because they just are giving of themselves all the time. But they're, they're so uh, generous and helpful. They're the ones often working, you know, behind the scenes, mm-hmm. doing the, you know the deed that no one else really wants to do. So um, clean the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so a gift that indulges a, a helper often what they're looking for is something that somewhat reciprocates what they are doing very naturally. So something that's handcrafted or handmade, that just shows that a lot of love and attention and care went into this gift is really often for many twos, uh, really meaningful to them. Uh, Or shared gifts. So a day together doing something, because twos really, uh, a lot of this helping is, is, is a way of bonding and connecting with others. So then uh, if a spouse would say, "Hey, let's we're going to spend a day doing this together." That's really meaningful to a two. Now, a growth gift though for twos, as I said, they struggle with boundaries, mm-hmm. they struggle with caring for themselves would be something that is self-caring. And <laughs> uh, so day at the spa. Something that actually is focused on kind of helping them or pampering them. Mm-hmm. Uh they to do that for themselves so that'd be a good a good thing to give them oh man this is this
2: i'm like i'm right? thinking of my family right yeah, now i'm like thinking family. of my parents i'm thinking of yeah. every my friends yeah, and my neighbors. i know this is this is awesome <laughs> keep, keep going
3: not just for spouses right yeah, this doesn't yeah, yeah. stand the people we care about the most yeah we I mean, can be a little bit more intentional and nuanced with how we engage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Three. We're going to talk okay. about it. <laughs> are you ready?
1: Yes. Yeah, I'm ready.
3: <laughs> Who doesn't like talking about themselves? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so type three, uh, they're known as the achievers. Now at their core, as you, as you said earlier, they want to feel worth and value and they want to feel that they bring value and that they are valuable. Now, here's, here's the thing, though. When we don't, as type threes, when we question or don't feel worth, we're prone to respond to that by crafting images or personas, you know, to impress or to feel important to others. So that drive kind of causes us to be really successful or at least success oriented, a very task or goal oriented. Threes get a lot done. We accomplish a lot of things. Threes are known as being aggressive, but in a savvy way. So, more polished, and they can get things done. The struggle of the threes is that we can struggle to just be. You know, we often define our lives by what we do, and when in fact we need to focus a little bit more on who we are. And so because of all this, you know, doing and striving and and kind of these chameleon like tendencies that threes can have, they can walk into a room and kind of adapt really effectively to whatever's going on in that room. Uh, we can struggle to know who we are and what we really want. For. Threes, a gift that really indulges their type, would be anything that kind of is a productivity or a efficiency hack. Anything that helps us get things done uh, in a more efficient way. Like a fitness tracker or some type of, you know.
1: <laughs> I'm laughing because he got me a Fitbit. <laughs> I'm like, yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. You know, anything that you know helps us achieve goals. Those that indulges our type, but. Something that would be really good for us, that would be a growth gift that might be challenging, though, would be a silent retreat. (gasps) Okay, you know what's really funny? I actually
1: (sighs) talked about that last Wednesday to our life group, and I'm like, have you ever heard of this? Yeah, Yeah, it sounds like prison.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Or camping a camping trip oh i hate camping <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. i hate camping so much <laughs> and please don't ever give that to me
1: <laughs> yeah, i won't give it to you because i have to go <laughs> yeah.
3: a camping trip in which we don't have cell phone coverage you know or feeds, so those yeah. sorts of things oh um, man be good for us as hmm. you know so again this you gotta really gauge your marriage at where you're at it, whether you give the indulgent gift or the yeah. growth yeah. gift both
2: so yeah so those are the threes yeah this is i love this so much um there is this twitter account that i that just popped up in my feed on sunday and it was like here are the types on sunday afternoon yeah and this was right before going to bed and three recording a podcast and we're like (laughs) what are you serious
1: (laughs) what kind of bug do you have in my house yes no kidding no (laughs)
3: kidding (laughs) Well, I, yeah, I think it's worth acknowledging, right, that you you two choose to record podcasts after you put your kids in bed <laughs> yeah. as, as something that you consider "quote unquote" fun. Yes, okay, so. yes. Exactly. <laughs> it is. Yeah, and that I'm also on this podcast with you.
2: Yeah, Dude, we're Dude. not paying you. I mean, this <laughs> is just this is pure fun.
3: Yes. <laughs> so that's an insight into the food. Yes.
0: Yeah. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. OrdinaryWomen dot org. Exactly.
1: So all right, let's move on to the four.
0: Okay, so
3: fours are known as the individualists or the romantics, depending uh, on which kind of okay. teacher you look at. So
1: is is Valentine's Day a really big deal for a four then?
3: Well, potentially, yeah. Okay. Because I think it is, but not in some of the maybe Traditional ways. So, because at, you know, fours at their core, they just want belonging. That's what's driving them. But when they don't feel like they belong, which we all feel that way from time to time, or if they don't feel understood, then they're prone to either kind of retreat to their mm-hmm. inner world of feelings to kind of work it out or find unique ways to express themselves to feel kind of different or unique or distinguished from the crowd. Mm. So that's why a lot of fours are very creative and expressive. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, just have lots of creativity to offer to the world. Fours are also very empathetic because they're very in tune with emotions. And they have really deep emotional wells, mm-hmm. especially compared to us threes. <laughs> so fours kind of have all the feels <laughs> all the time. Uh, but they are, I think, when they don't feel like they belong or they don't feel understood, they will kind of withdraw from time to time. And they can struggle sometimes with getting stuck in their emotions. Or to others, seeming like they're making too big a deal out of something or being overdramatic. When in fact, at their core, they just want to belong and want to be known and want to be understood. So uh, gifts that indulge type four, anything that's really unique or artistic or expressive. So anything that's one of a kind, it's a rare antique. So, you know, not something that you just pull off the shelf from a big box store, you know, but something that you brought from this trip you went on souvenir from a faraway land, something like that would uh, really kind of check the boxes of a type four. So uh, a growth gift, uh, I say this somewhat jest because this could really get a spouse in trouble. Oh, but if you boy, gave really. something really ordinary <laughs> to a four, <laughs> um, like a Here staple. Here are my
1: toe clippings. <laughs> no, I don't feel that.
2: <laughs> Where in the world did I, that, that come from?
1: i just really ordinary. <laughs> That's
3: weird. <Okay.
2: laughs>
1: Sorry, all you number fours. <laughs> I didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah,
3: I had, a, I had a friend who gave his spouse one of those really fancy kind of trash cans where you'd wave your hand oh, over yeah. it. Yeah. So excited and you know jazz to give it to her, and she thought you gave me a garbage can. <gasps> How dare you? So again, tread <laughs> carefully here. But this is um, awesome. So, I think anything though that is a good growth gift for a four would be something that reminds them that they belong. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, not a trash can. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
3: t- that they belong to the, the family or the group of people in mm-hmm. the here and now and that they are known. So, I think uh, like a four would appreciate even just a simple handwritten card, <laughs> you oh, know, with okay. an actual letter in it. Another thing that would be a growth gift for a four would be a gratitude journal because sometimes they struggle. Hmm find meaning and significance and contentment in the the mundane and just ordinary aspects of life and so something that would kind of help them just, to document the just the very ordinary things that they're grateful for yeah. would be um, a good growth gift for. That.
2: So, Drew, as our listeners are hearing the descriptions, you're doing yeah. a wonderful job, by the way. And you know, we're halfway through. We're going to keep on going. Today's episode might be a little bit longer than normal, uh, but it's all good now. But but as our listeners are listening, I'm sh- listening in. I'm sure they're 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 probably thinking, hey, but. A couple of them describe me. And I mean, if if you were to dig a little bit deeper, I'm a three wing four. Christina's a three wing two. And and as a three wing four for me, I mean I agreed predominantly with the three, but there's a lot of the four that I agree with and that I see in myself. So can you just explain what that means, the whole wing language, and then and then we can keep on going after?
3: Right. So since this is a numerical system, that means we have you know number that are next to our dominant type, our number. So as a three next to me on the Enneagram, it would be a two on one side and a four on the other. Mm -hmm. Those are our potential wings. And there's different schools of thought about the wings. We don't have really time to get into all of them now. But generally speaking, what they do is they provide some nuance they allow for a little bit more complexity in our type. Mm. So as opposed to all threes looking the same. Threes that have a four wing are going to be very achievement focused and still have the same drive, but they're going to also just lean a little bit more towards the four. Maybe be a little bit more artistic, maybe a little bit more in touch with their feelings. Uh, Whereas a three wing two would lean a little bit more towards the helping side side of things. So they're they're achieving, they want to feel value, they want to feel worth, but they're also a little bit more focused on helping others. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, totally. We see so it in that's our own true. lives. So. <laughs> oh, completely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only wings you can have are the numbers directly to either side of you.
1: Oh, so my whole like... <laughs> I first thought three with a wing seven. No, no,
3: you can't be a three wing seven. <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> or you can't be an eight with a wing four. Doesn't work that way, but it does work, at least with your neighboring numbers. All right, let's go on. Number five. They're known as the investigator or the observer. That would be another nickname for them. And at their core, they want competency, they are motivated by a need to be competent in life. So when they struggle to feel competent, when that's threatened, they're prone to retreat to places in which they can acquire knowledge. So this is why type 5s dive really deeply on topics, uh, deeper than most people are willing to go. Whether it's a hobby or a project at work, whatever it is, uh, they will go much deeper than the average person because they want to acquire as much knowledge as possible. They tend to be more kind of analytical, cerebral, in their heads more. And they're always gauging how much energy they have for things. (laughs) So these are the ones that are kind of calibrating often um, how much people time can I manage today? How long do I have to stay at this party? They tend to be pretty intelligent, but they tend to kind of have this urge or itch to kind of withdraw in order to acquire more knowledge through whether it's podcasts or books or whatever it might be. Now, the struggle, though, is that they they struggle sometimes to apply all of that knowledge in a meaningful or productive way. So they can just kind of stockpile it, but often they need to figure out how to make it useful. So a gift that indulges a type five... They also really like simplicity, so I thought of the Marie Kondo book. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, yeah,
1: does this bring you joy? <laughs>
3: yeah, because they tend to be live, live a little more Spartan-like than the average person, and really like a simple life for them. Or uh, because they love to learn and to acquire knowledge, a masterclass membership. So you. Know, where you you pay to get these you know, podcasts or video classes from the masters of their craft, Damn. or just a stack of books on a topic that they're diving deeply on. Now, a growth gift, though, would be something that would get them out of their head and a little more into their body. <laughs> so
1: so they're coming camping with us?
3: <laughs> well, yeah, no. to, they, hiking, or I thought <laughs> couples dance class.
1: Oh, <laughs> wow.
3: Or you're going to get hate mail from some type five. But. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Don't you, you take this out or else. <laughs>
3: but uh, anything that kind of gets them in their body, maybe gets them out of their heads a little bit. Oh, wow, no. okay. All right. Are we ready to go to six? Yeah. Yes, we are. Okay. Type six. They're known as the loyalist. And so at their core, as their nickname indicates, they want loyalty. That's what's driving them. But now what often happens is in a, you know, a, a world in which it's complex and relationships are messy, they sometimes feel a lack of loyalty. Even if it's uh, you know, real or perceived, they'll, okay. they'll struggle to s- see loyalty. And so they'll look for ways to kind of feel secure. And they'll want to secure their world. And so they're often known as the ones who will threat forecast a situation or think in worst case scenarios a hmm, lot okay. more so than the average person. They're the safety officers on the Enneagram. Also really great, because of loyalty and security are so important to them, they're really great team players. They're And they're super loyal to people that they love and care for. But they can struggle to relax and just to rest sometimes in the here and now. So maybe a gift that indulges uh, a six would be anything that kind of helps in their security. So home security system or... <laughs> You know, anything. A big uh,
1: Rottweiler.
3: (laughs) A guard dog. Yeah. um, You know, anything like that or motion-censored floodlights outside the house would be a gift that kind of indulges that a little bit. A growth gift for a six would be something risky. Hmm. (laughs) whether you know uh, you go skydiving together or a hot air balloon ride together it's a, just a little bit um, out of the ordinary there's a little bit of risk to it
1: maybe bring a paper
3: bag with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. something like that uh, yeah. kind of pushes them gently to risk a little bit
2: so so drew okay so we talked about the the as we're going through the numbers and we talked a little bit about the wings but one thing i noticed uh that i still haven't quite figured out is when i look at my three there and i did the assessment there was like uh you know it pointed to another number like a growth number and a and a stress number. So for the three, the, the growth number was six and the stress number was nine. And I just haven't yes. quite wrapped my mind around that. So help me help me understand that, especially because we're talking about the six. And yeah. the growth aspect
1: yeah. too. Mm-hmm.
3: So yeah, if you look at the Enneagram kind of symbol, you see this circle, you see these points, and then you see all of these lines going to other numbers. And this kind of gets at this dynamic nature of our personality. You know, we're type mm-hmm. threes. At the same time, uh, we probably look a little bit different and act and feel a little bit different when we're stressed and when we're thriving.
1: Okay. Okay.
3: And so those lines, or they're called arrows sometimes, uh, are pointing to numbers that tend to indicate some of that. So each type has a line that goes to a certain number in security. That's when we're thriving, when we're doing really well. So for threes, for instance, we go to six, which is what we just talked about. So instead of being a little bit more focused on our own ambitions, our own accomplishments, we become more loyal, where the things that we are accomplishing are for a, a greater cause than hmm. just our. Does that make sense? Yeah. Totally. Wow. That. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. yeah. I was
1: like, "Ooh, got some work to do." <laughs> yeah.
3: This has just gone another
2: level. <laughs>
1: yeah. Ooh, <laughs> the motivation is speaking <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: okay. This is interesting because I yeah. I think the reason this is hitting me deep is because there are certain situations where I'm like, oh, I really do tend toward the loyalty. Right. Uh, And then there are other situations where I don't. So even in that, does that kind of give you... um,
3: Yeah, yeah, it does. And so what's really important, though, is what motivates you truly. (laughs) So uh, because we look a lot like a really healthy six type hmm. six as threes when we're, when we're really healthy, that's hmm. true. Wow. but our motivation doesn't change.
2: Wow. Okay. But then when
3: we're stressed, here's the bad news. Oh, so boy. when we're stressed and not doing well, we tend to look more like an unhealthy version of the number we go to on the Enneagram in stress. And so for threes, that's a nine, hmm. which we'll get to. But we tend to look like some some of the more negative aspects of a nine.
1: Oh, okay, okay, Okay. yeah. Wait, baby. Yes, nine is coming. Don't worry.
2: Forget
3: seven and eight. Let's
1: keep going. (laughs) Really, you want to know the negative side? I don't
3: know. (laughs) So each number has that stress arrow and that security arrow.
1: All right, we will get to nine. Yes, we will. okay, 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 but let's go to number seven.
3: So, sevens, these are known as the enthusiasts. And so, their driving motivation in life is often contentment. They want a world in which they're content and others are content. But when they feel that that contentment is at risk, they're prone to search and scan for things that satisfy them elsewhere. So, you can then see why sevens are known as the life of the party. They tend to be the really fun loving, always up for an adventure, convincing, aggressive, but in a fun way. These are the ones who are asking, come on, let's go do this. And then if someone in the group says, I don't know, and then they're the ones who say, what could go wrong? (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) Jump off the roof, no problem. (laughs) Uh,
3: And so, so great to have in a group um, because they just keep the mood light. They keep it fun, energetic. But what they they struggle with is that they struggle to stick around in something when it gets boring Mm. or difficult or painful. So for sevens, the gift that indulges them is anything that I mentioned is a growth gift for a six. (laughs) So anything that's adventurous or risky or uh, fun or different, uh, sevens love. They're always up for an adventure. But the growth gift for them would be something that helps them kind of stay on task a little bit longer than they normally would. So I don't know if you've ever heard of those Pomodoro timers. (laughs) No, (laughs) I haven't. So it's this concept and there's a a guy who developed this system based on some science of of our attention spans and what we can get done. But it's a timer that allows you to stay on task for, I think it's 20 or 25 minutes Mm Mm-hmm. And you get a five-minute break <laughs> to oh. do anything else. But then you got to come back after that five-minute break and uh, work on your project or whatever it is for another 20 or 25 minutes. So that would be good. Or you know, another thing that's important for sevens is to stick around long enough to actually acknowledge and be honest with their feelings. And so uh, a growth gift for them would be a feelings journal where they have to kind of write out what they're feeling before they can move on to the next plan adventure. So those are the sevens. Type eights are known as the challengers. And so at their core, what they want is protection. Hmm. That's kind of what's driving them. Now, when they feel that their protection is threatened or that the protection of someone that they care most deeply about is threatened, they go on the offense. So eights are hard charging. Sometimes they can be controlling. They they move about their world with power. They're strong leaders, typically. You know, threes and sevens are aggressive, but, you know, sevens are aggressive in a fun way. Threes are aggressive in a more polished way. These eights are often just aggressive. <laughs> mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's great about eights, though, is that they are fiercely protective of the people that they care about the most. Mm. So they often have a small inner circle. It's right. small in a lot of the other numbers, but they are... S- Super protective of that inner circle. A struggle for eights is uh, because they care so much about protection, uh, they struggle to get vulnerable. A gift that indulges a type eight is anything that kind of helps them feel kind of powerful. (laughs) So a trip to a shooting range or apparently axe throwing is really popular right now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Or uh, eights just love intensity and intense experiences. So an escape room you know, where there's a timer and you've got to kind of get out of this Have you have you two ever done an escape room? Yes, we did.
1: (laughs) It was very interesting because we had all different numbers, I think, in there. So we did not escape. (laughs) No, we didn't. I was like, well, Uh, you only listen to me, but you know.
3: (laughs) There you go. There you go. Or you know, a a trip to the amusement park to ride roller coasters or kickboxing lesson. Or if you want to get more practical, but in a way that still lets them kind of keep control, give them gift cards and then they can go buy what they want. Okay. Something uh, that could indulge now mm. a growth gift though would be something that really kind of melts away uh, that exterior a little bit and gets at that their vulnerability so like a puppy or a oh. kitten <laughs> <laughs> so it's amazing to see eights they kind of transform when they're around babies or puppies or you know kittens or something like that because they become really tender mm. and you start to see oh yeah they they are really tender. You give give an A puppy. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I'm going to give my boss a puppy. (laughs) There you go. The bow. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. exactly. With a little bell. Yeah. Perfect.
3: (laughs) All right. Nines.
1: All right. The last one.
3: Okay. So nines are known as the peacemaker. And as their nickname indicates, at their core, they want peace. They want to feel peace kind of internally, and they want to feel peace in their environment. But uh, we all know we don't always live in a peaceful world. And so when we feel kind of the disruptions or the tumult of life, nines are prone to try to find ways to feel calm internally and externally. And so what that means, though, is what's great about nines is that they can truly see things from multiple perspectives. Hmm, okay. So they can truly see opposing points in a debate or an argument and truly understand where each side is coming from. They also have a really calm presence about them typically. Now, one of the struggles of a nine, though, is that they tend to avoid conflict. So they can kind of melt in their chairs when things get tense in a room. Oh, okay. (laughs) And get quiet and kind of withdraw. Hmm. So you know, because they're they're so concerned about peace and calm, they tend to have a little bit lower levels of energy than some of the other numbers, especially like eights or sevens or, or threes, for instance. And they sometimes struggle to find their voice and kind of speak their voice. And they can sometimes just lose their sense of who they were in order to just keep the peace. So a gift that indulges uh, would be anything that kind of helps them feel calm, you know, like a... Uh, yeah, gee, <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, you know, bonsai tree or um, <laughs> bonsai body tree. clothes, you know, for napping or oh. any creature comfort. Yeah. And then the other thing I'd say, too, is provide the gift receipt because they're likely not going to tell you. Oh, whether,
1: if they don't like
3: it. Yeah. Mm. Oh, wow. But I think a good growth gift for nines would be anything that kind of really nudges them towards finding their voice. So this could be something as strategic as like a leadership coach. <laughs> you uh, know. I thought
1: you were going to say megaphone. <laughs> uh, no.
3: here's, the, here's the kind of fun one right. would be a karaoke machine. <laughs>
1: ah, yeah. yeah. That's a gift that keeps giving. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then, you know, back to your question about the stress and security, then do you start to see, you know, for the three, how maybe some of the unhealthier aspects of nine when we're stressed, we, we kind of look like that or take that on
2: so so when a three is stressed then they would be more conflict um, Avoiding. Avoid. Okay. Yeah, withdrawn. Y- yeah withdrawn. lower energy
3: little little less decisive oh, my goodness. um maybe more prone to procrastinate a little bit yeah
1: my eyebrows then, are like, so really
3: like what this is not descriptive of all nines right now this is just <laughs> kind of some of the unhealthier when right. nines are not, healthier. Yeah. Right. not healthy right we as threes can kind of get there. That's so true. Yep.
2: Because times when I'm, I mean, Christina can pick it out anytime I'm stressed because I won't talk as much over dinner or I just won't, I'll just be withdrawn or
3: lower energy. I'm
1: like, out of your head, nobody, what's happening? (laughs) Yeah. Talk to me. Hello.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, (laughs) But but I'd say, is there a, more of a moment we need in our you know culture right now than than nines? <laughs> you know we need oh, nines, right? Yes. Yeah. So for
1: sure, it's they, like if you're a work, nine, please stand up. Come on th- now. Yeah.
3: <laughs> they can truly see you know multiple perspectives, and they they can work really well towards brokering kind of peace and harmony in a group, and they're 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 really important.
2: Man, Drew, this has been a gift. Really, uh, you truly, have been, you have been. A gift to us. It feels like we've gotten free counseling here. Uh, <laughs> that was really
1: the point of yes. this podcast, right?
2: <laughs> but I, I know this is a lot longer than we usually run as a podcast. So appreciate your time here. Uh, but I know that this episode is going to be such a gift to everyone who listens. And I know it's just going to open up a world of learning because if we can all know ourselves a little bit more. Right. Well, what a gift that's going to be. So Drew, what are ways for people to connect with you to learn more about you if they want to dig a little bit deeper?
3: Sure. So website drewmoser.com. That's D-R-E-W-M-O-S-E-R.com. I'm also on most of the social media at Drew Mosier for Twitter and Instagram. So you can find me there. Yeah. And I will link it in our show notes as well. Okay. Yeah, great. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Drew. Yeah, thank you. This was a lot of fun. And yeah, you know, I hope it is helpful to those who are you know trying to better understand who they are and, and better understand the people that they care about the most.
1: <laughs> Wasn't that good?
2: Oh, I'm going to listen to the episode. You, exactly. Yes. Aren't you
1: happy that you listened to the end? Yes. Really? Yeah. So, you
2: win. You win.
1: There we go. <laughs> Hand clap to you guys. And like Drew alluded to a little bit, that this doesn't just have to be for your spouse as well. It's mm. like, oh, I'm single or I'm dating or I just want to give a gift to a friend mm-hmm. just to show them that I appreciate them and are thinking of them. Well, this is a great episode for that as well.
2: Yeah. So be sure to share this with your spouse, with your friend, with others. If, if your mind is just blown right now and you're like, Enneagram, What? Or, man, I know about the Enneagram, but I've never really thought about those gifts. Mm -hmm. We'd be honored if you would share this episode with one of your friends and whoever comes to mind. That's really easy to do. If you're on your podcasting app, there's usually a share button that you can then grab the link and text it to your friend or email it. Or you can just share the URL address inbetween.org slash episode 51.
1: Right. And there... You will also find all the show notes, and he had talked about some books and resources to be able to learn more about the Enneagram, and we will include those in the show notes.
2: Fantastic. Well, next week on episode 52, we're going to be talking about ways to love your spouse when life is hard. Oh,
1: that's good. Because how many times do we talk about just when life is lovey-dovey and picture perfect when we all know that there are hard times that we've gone through or we will go through.
2: Completely. So thanks again for listening in, and we will catch you guys next week.
0: This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.